He's a former United States congressman and a candidate for president of the United States. He's not been afraid to question the status quo, and he's definitely not afraid of us. He's Dr. Ron Paul, and he's a legend among the freedom-loving people of America. We're thrilled that we got to spend 30 minutes with Dr. Paul, and you're not going to want to miss a single beat of today's interview. Also, we've got an origin story for you. No, it's not a superhero, but it was early 2017 that I finally went down the crypto rabbit hole, which eventually brought us to where we are today. You're going to meet Davin Michaels, the man who is responsible for providing me with the gentle shove down the hole that I was cautiously gazing into. Seated behind our cardboard microphones in the Republic of Bad Cryptopia, we welcome you to episode number 382 of the Bad Crypto Podcast. Five, four, three, two, one, two, Who's bad? And greetings, friend, heard around the world. It's the Bad Crypto Podcast. I'm Joel Kahn. And I am Travis Wright. And he is right about that. He's not wrong. That is true. I'm and he's, he's very zen at the moment. That is true. Yeah, i just been going through, you know, there's a lot of craziness going on in the world. And so I've been uh, diving more deeply into really long meditations to, uh, to get rid of this fear stuff that's been going on and this panic that's stricken everyone so I, I literally finished like about an hour meditation and then i i look on on my messenger and joel Kahn sent me like 15 messages 10 messages come on we need to record we got to do this thing i'm like what it's not on my schedule i didn't say anywhere on my i, I didn't see anything on my calendar Why stay then stay then hey let's give a quick shout out to our sponsor upland they have just updated the app. If you haven't used Upland.me yet for iOS or Android, what are you waiting for? Finally, a blockchain game that we think is getting it right. They just came out with their Mojito update, which allows you to find treasures, pinatas that are full of their Upix token. I've done it twice, Travis. I mm-hmm. found I found the pinatas. That's very fancy. I, I'm I'm actually about to go drink a mojito. Okay. Hey, if you guys haven't signed up yet, go to badco.in forward slash Upland and do it on your mobile device because when you do, you'll get 6,000 Upix tokens instead of the regular 3,000 that all those other people's get. We want to give you guys bonus badco.in forward slash Upland. So folks, as we typically do now, when we have an amazing guest on the show, we like to create an NFT for that, a non-fungible token that is a tradable digital asset. And the only people who can get it are the ones who are listening to this show right now. And in this episode, we will give you the link that you need to listen, to go click on it, and then to go claim your NFT. All you need to do is have your uh, Ethereum address handy that's for like on your trust wallet or on your alpha wallet or whatever. Not one that's on Coinbase, not one that's on any exchange. The one that you own the private keys for. And we're going to tell you about that because Dr. Ron Paul is here with us today. And uh, let's get into that. And we're privileged to be here with Dr. Ron Paul. He needs no introduction. We're just going to jump right in. And uh, Dr. Paul, I actually want to start with a a soft ball or a soft <laughs> Paul question for you. You uh, you had the opportunity to work alongside your son, who I'm sure you're incredibly proud of. And I just want to know what was it like serving in the Senate alongside him? Well, you know, he was in the Senate. I was in the House. You were in the House. That's right. And uh, that was unusual because I don't think it ever happened before where the father was in the house and the son was uh, in the Senate. And we were there together for two years. He was elected, uh, I think, in 10, and then uh, I left at the end of 12. And uh, one time we were being interviewed together, and they were sort of poking fun at me. You know, you're just in the house, and he's a senator. And I I told him, I said, you know what? If he does a real good job in the Senate, maybe he too someday may get elected to the House of Representatives. (laughs) So uh, we we didn't, uh, he he was so busy setting up and all their activities. And even though they're so close, 
uh, he, he did it for, I think, for the first year or so. He did stay with me at a condo because he hadn't set up. But uh, we didn't, we didn't uh, you know, cross paths on a daily basis on, on a lot of things, even though he did introduce things like audit the Fed and a few other things, because philosophically, we have to be uh, pretty close. But the Senate operates, you know, completely differently. The activities and the opportunities are different uh, than they are in the House. But uh, it, it was fascinating, and uh, and I think uh, he was uh, he he was quite quite pleased that he was able to achieve what he had, and I was pretty surprised that uh, you know he ran one time, first time, and won a Senate seat. Mm-hmm. That Paul, that Paul last name is pretty powerful. You guys are doing some epic stuff over there. <laughs> and actually, and actually, Joel mentioned this before we started. He goes, "Your name's Ronald Ernest Paul, so your initials are Rep. So like <laughs> you were destined to become a representative, it seems." Yeah. Yeah, made it convenient. <laughs> that is. So we, we're bad crypto, right? We like to talk about cryptocurrency. And, and we had the opportunity to meet you in Aspen at the Aspen Institute at a conference back in 2017. We had a brief conversation. And um, so let's let's maybe talk about it. I know that our, our listeners are really curious about your official stance on Bitcoin and cryptocurrency. And maybe is crypto, is it sound money, according to you? Well, I think it's up for grabs. I don't think it's been decided. It took about 6,000 years for people to decide whether gold was money. And now Bernanke tells me it's not. So it's always up for grabs and making decisions. Of course, from the Austrian school, uh, we were, we've been taught that uh, money comes out of the marketplace and it's uh, usually a commodity. Uh, I don't, I don't get into that part of the crypto. I go to a lot of cryptocurrencies. I just came back from Acapulco, you know, a big conference mm-hmm. there. And uh, my, my position is uh, very interesting uh, to those who are interested in currencies and, and are concerned like I am. Uh, we share a concern about what's happening to the country, what's happening to the dollar. The fiat dollar is a mess. The spending is too high, you know, all of that stuff. And, uh, and therefore, uh, there's an alliance. And the, there was another thing that I did in Congress. I did go to Congress over uh, mainly because I started running over the uh, on the monetary issue and the breakdown of the Bretton Woods. And uh, that that is uh, uh, something that uh, I, I think is very important. And I spent time. I was on the banking committee the whole time. And one of the things I pushed hard was the uh, problems that we have, that uh, this dollar is fragile, it's causing a lot of trouble, it causes all the booms and the busts and finances the evils of all war and, and all the welfare state, and that uh, something has to be done. So instead of me saying, I know what we have to do, I know how to do it, but when you do that and you do it through the government, the government gets too more, too powerful. Anytime there's a reform done and the government's doing it, they're not gonna make it any better. So my whole idea was to follow the Hayekian uh, viewpoint that uh, the markets decided about money for thousands of years. Let the market do it. Get rid of all the legal tender laws and, and you know, make it legal for people to have competing currencies. Uh, but then, again, under those circumstances, you still have the problem that governments always want to control money, you know, over the centuries they have. And I've uh, warned people when I talk at these conferences that, that uh, the, the government is going to be your threat. You know, uh, we know what's coming. We know we have to do something. So my answer to all this is not saying, I know exactly what you ought to do with crypto is I know exactly what we ought to do with uh, developing a society and promoting the, uh, you know, individual liberty and letting individuals and private sources make make the decision. So that's where my concentration is. Mm-hmm. Well, there's so many rabbit holes we can go down here. I think uh, since you mentioned gold being money and us deciding that, you know, perhaps that's what it indeed was. Do you think there's a chance that we'll ever go back to a gold standard? Well, we're always on a gold standard, uh, you, you know, it's not official, but, uh, you know, central banks are buying up gold now and everybody measures, uh, uh, you, you know, it used to be easy before Bretton Woods broke down. Everything was measured in terms of the dollar and the dollar was uh, uh, convertible into gold at $35 an ounce. Uh, no, I don't think we'll go back to a gold standard. I think gold will be used, but I think in the modern age, it might be used differently. Uh, that's why I don't want government messing up because uh, the folks I knew at the banking committee and everybody I met on the Federal Reserve 
I didn't, they didn't convey confidence to me that they cared about my freedoms or the limitation of government size. They cared about power and control, and that's gotten much worse. I mean, uh, this one element of the deep state uh, that is uh, very much sought after, and that is the control of money and the finances and controlling interest rates and the bailout, controlling budgets. Uh, that's that's uh, where the real problem is. I think ultimately, uh, I you know, uh, when I saw what was coming in the 60s, I decided, well, you know, this gold thing sounds like it's pretty important. Uh, so, uh, you know, I would buy coins here and there, and I always figured that was a backup, you know, a, a, a safety net, in, because I believed that uh, that something would happen to the dollar and something has happened. You know, uh, one time, uh, you know, at that time, you could convert $35, at least foreigners could, uh, into an ounce of gold. Uh, now it takes a few more dollars to, <laughs> to get an ounce of gold. But uh, I think ultimately that's what people think about. E- even now, uh, with the move toward central banks buying gold, individuals are buying gold. But my, I still think the most important thing that we do is protect our freedoms in order to uh, pick and choose of what we want to do. And of course, it's the issue of liberty that uh, is key. So even if I could say, well, Ron, we want you to write up the perfect government-run gold standard. Well, the founders tried to do that, uh, and it was not a perfect gold standard, and uh, the governments abuse it. And uh, it always goes in the directions of fiat. So that's why uh, that's why the worst thing you can do is make gold illegal or make crypto illegal that's that's where the real the real threat is but uh heck in, in this country uh, uh you know first uh, you know it, it was illegal from 33 up till uh, 1975 for americans to gold gold this is astounding uh so that was a step in the right direction and i i think it, it you know people do watch the gold prices the market is still there some people think in terms of gold, but a government gold standard, no, your question is, are we going to have a government gold standard announced next week because there's chaos in the financial markets right now? No, we're not going to do that. We might have a monetary reform, you know, but it will be a deep state controlled monetary reform. It'll be under the IMF or the United Nations or something and dictate. And I'm fearful that they will use a digital currency, you know, and they'll even, they even could pretend and say, all right, we have a worldwide digital currency. Crypto's great. And we'll just uh, link it to gold, which will probably be just a bunch of lies. So uh, it, it may go to that. And it's only Free people can make these decisions. If you want to use cryptocurrencies, if you don't cheat people, you know, whether if you're diluting the coins and cheating people on gold or whether people cheat on on crypto, that's the important thing. And uh, right now, though, the the most likely source of the cheating comes from our governments. They've been involved in cheating on the monetary system, uh, you know, throughout history. Let me unravel what you just what you just said about that. What really scares you is a digital currency ran by maybe the IMF. Is that are you talking like with that special drawing rights thing that they were that they were talking about was digitizing all assets and putting them on the blockchain and and then we all we all are tied to this sort of a thing. Is that yeah? I think something along you? that the. Uh, uh, the special drawing rights have been around, you know, uh, since the IMF was started way back. Uh, and it does, it still holds some, some gold. Uh, so they're, they're very much involved. But yes, they're talking about having an international order that would do that and, and probably try to steal, steal some credibility by saying, oh, yeah, well, we have this gold and it'll be linked, which uh, is not believable. The only, the only way it is, uh, whether it's crypto or gold, uh, the people have to have total control of it. And uh, quite frankly, that's where our, our biggest threat is. You know, if you had if you had a currency that was truly convertible to gold, the government still knows every single thing we do. And uh, this invasion and control of uh, our lives totally and completely, uh, that, that is a great threat. And the monetary system should be one that can get us out of it. And that always fascinated me about crypto. You know, it would be an, an anonymous and it would be a secret and nobody could know what's going on. Uh, but in the early years when crypto was coming out, uh, I can remember uh, having conversations in the banking committee. And I was really surprised that the first time Bernanke uh, answered the question for me was that um, that he, he got... 
he wasn't negative. He wasn't saying, oh, this is the answer and this is what we're going to do. He was very, very, very tolerant of this. We'll just see what happens. And I think, uh, unfortunately, the government, the technology, uh, I don't think black blockchain technology was an invention of a politician. <laughs> I think somebody outside of politics did it, but they're interested, believe me. And, uh, you know, just, just uh, you know, that whole system, like so many things in, in life, if it can be used or for evil, you can have nuclear power give you nuclear energy or you can bomb the world. So I think uh, so much of this technology, whether it's a uh, the crypto technology or or the gold uh, understanding, uh, it, it depends on people, you know, it, and, and our founders were very much aware of this. Uh, and uh, when they were asked about the Constitution, uh, they, they said it's a Republican and you can have it if you if you can keep it. But an immoral people can't make the Constitution work. And so mm. th- this if it's pure survival for a small number of people. People will have to use it, and people are doing this. But it's a, such a small number uh, compared to what we have to look at now. Tens of thousands of people in America out on the streets, defecating on our streets. There, there, there's a real problem, and it's related to the monetary system. It's related to the fact that there's a transfer of wealth and a maldistribution of wealth uh, through a fiat paper system that we have. So it, it's all interconnected, but survival, it'd be very, very important, uh, you know, but the last thing we need is to go back to bartering, but uh, in a way, gold is a uh, very modern, uh, fancy way of bartering. You know, you have an intermediary, and uh, crypto uh, may well be able to handle all this, but uh, I, I don't, I profess not to know much about the technology, so I don't make the decision, oh, I know this is going to work. This is going to work. Uh, all I want to do is give everybody, uh, you know, a chance to try it in a free market and and prove that prove that it's going to work. But uh, no matter how perfect the gold standard could be, uh, it all depends on the government. And why should we uh, think that uh, the government, they didn't protect our gold standard. They destroyed the gold standard. That's what got my attention uh, all through the 60s. I, wow, this, this is something. It's the government doing it. And they're ushering in this age of no restraints whatsoever, which is the big day, uh, August 15th of 71. And that meant that government would grow by leaps and bounds. And this would serve the interest of uh, our empire. And uh, we have a reserve currency. We are going to be the most powerful, wealthiest country in the world for a while, and then it will go in a different direction. Uh, speaking of reserve currency, we recently had Edward Griffin, who I'm sure you're friends yeah. with, uh, on the show talking about the creature from Jekyll Island and the Federal Reserve. And the Federal Reserve has never been publicly audited. Do you think we're ever going to get to that place? Is the government going to allow that? No, uh, we've made a lot of progress. Nobody even hardly talked about it, uh, you know, because uh, uh, there was no interest. But that was my thing that I talked about a whole lot and had a bill out at the Fed, written books about why the Fed should be abolished. And uh, uh, we, we actually, to my surprise, we had two vote, two different votes on the House floor and one by large margin because it was the transparency argument that people ought to know this is important. So people uh, in, in the last 20 or 30 years uh, have, have become aware of the Federal Reserve more so than, than ever. And, uh, and we pass it in the House, but to pass it in the House and pass it into the Senate, get a president to sign this, and then to endorse by the deep state? No, it's not, it's not going to happen. It it's going, we will always return to something that is sound that the people trust. And exactly what that'll be uh, is hard to understand. But up until now, it's usually been that it would resort to go, going back to, to uh, gold. But it will not be done by getting a few more members of Congress. That, that's, that's not going to happen. Uh, nothing changes with what's in Washington. And a lot of people say, well, what were you doing there for? Why were you there if you don't really believe that's going to change much? It was mainly because uh, I, I, I got involved just to speak out and maybe get a couple of people to listen. It's so 
if if that that is the case, uh, I, I think that the, the real change comes philosophically. That's why I'm involved with the Mises Institute and my own uh, organizations and my Liberty Report is trying to change people's mind. I mean, right now, think of the challenge we have with the clowns that, oh, yeah, we love socialism. And, we, and, and American people are listening to that. At the same time, I go to conferences in places like Aspen, and I see a lot of young people excited, you know, even though I don't, I don't come down and say, well, I know everything you need to know about cryptocurrencies. Uh, young people, which I met many, many thousands uh, over the two presidential campaigns, that are really interested. So I'm impressed by that. And I still speak out. And uh, there's a lot of people that way. So it, to me, it's ideological. And money is really important issue of it. But, but the bottom line is uh, self-ownership, who owns your life and what, can, what you can do with it and reduce the authoritarianism that exists with uh, all the major parties. Mm. I really want to, I really want to thank you, uh, Dr. Paul, for all that you've done in, in raising awareness. Like we're here on bad crypto. We talk to people all the time who've never even heard the term fiat currency, right? Like <laughs> right. that's, that's something that people weren't aware of, but now more and more people are, that's in their vernacular. Like it's in the general consciousness now of people. Oh, wow. If they print money from thin air, people weren't <laughs> aware of that. Like, to me, I, I became awoke in the year 2000 and slowly, once I realized what, they just, they could print a hundred dollar bill for six cents and how are we trillions of dollars in debt? And, and which is, is just crazy. And I, so I really want to thank you for all that you've done in this space. And I want to ask you now as a physician and as someone who studies, you know, economies around the world, what are your thoughts on, on this, you know, potential pandemic or the thing, is it, is it, is this Corona virus thing? Is it fear-based? Are they trying to tank the markets? Is it, are we looking at fiction, nonfiction? What are we dealing with? Do we have any idea on, on how to look at this thing and how it's going to maybe impact the global economy? Well, there's a lot of motivation, sincere people who are misguided and some people who get scared easily and a lot of information that we, we don't have yet. But I, uh, I, I think just in general, and I've done a lot of talking about this on my report, uh, in, in general, I think it's way overhyped. And I tell people the story that my in my first week in Congress in 1976, we had a scare with swine flu uh, virus. And uh, it came in and it was going to wipe out the population of the earth. And Ford was the president. It was political. And he got the Congress to pass a $135 million thing to inoculate everybody in the country. And I thought, I didn't come here for this. I practice medicine, but this is not medicine. This is crazy. So uh, I started speaking out against that. And I only could get one other person to agree with me. And that was another doctor, doctor from Georgia, uh, Larry McDonald. So the two doctors voted against it. It turned <laughs> out, it turned out that they inoculated 45 million people, half the people they planned to inoculate. The drug companies made a lot of money. It was such a disaster. They had to quit the program. Nobody died from the flu and quite a few people died from the inoculation. Mm. So that's, that's my guide that it goes largely first do no harm. Uh, no, I think it's very serious. Uh, but, but you know, uh, we, we are in this current flu season, there are 10, there have been 10,000 Americans die from flu. And I don't think we have any deaths from flu and children don't usually get this, uh, this new virus. So there's a lot of unknowns. I think it's way overblown. Uh, but uh, I always caution that, you know, if you say that, oh, you don't care, you're careless about it. No, it could be, you, people do die from it. You have to be careful. But uh, I think there's a lot of harm being done by over-exaggerating it. And, uh, and uh, it'll probably take another year or so to find out. On that one in 76, uh, you know, after six months, the flu died down and uh, they were still inoculating people. They, so they finally discontinued the program. 
you know, they're working desperately for a, for a vaccine uh, for the coronavirus. But uh, by the time they get something, the, I, 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 quite frankly, I've already made up my mind. I don't want it mm-hmm. <laughs> because I think it would be more dangerous than catching the flu uh, or catching the uh, coronavirus. Uh, but people who are sick, people who die from flu, these 10,000 people who died in this country this year, uh, they're usually elderly people, poor people, not well-nourished people who have other illnesses. And, uh, you know, when you have millions of people to deal with, you have it. But now I think it's like uh, uh, no deaths and you probably have a dozen or two that have had it. So uh, I don't lie awake worrying about it. I worry about overreaction by do-good politicians. Mm. Maybe instead of worrying about coronavirus, we just pop open a corona and, and have yeah, a there you one. Go. <laughs> so you referenced uh, socialism a little earlier, and I've got a twofold question for you. One is the idea that democratic socialism is somehow different from traditional socialism as we understand it. And two, if Bernie Sanders were to get the nomination, do you see him having a chance to beat the president in the 2020 elections? Yeah, he's not going to, I don't think he'll be the nominee. I don't think he can be be elected. I think the kind of news we heard yesterday about him saying that Castro was a a great person, he, he essentially have eliminated any chance of winning anything in Florida. (laughs) so uh, he, the democratic socialism, you know, philosophically, it's easy to attack because uh, uh, democracy is hardly a hardly a, a system that you want to brag about because it's a dictatorship of, of the majority. And socialism is a is a force and violence. I mean, yeah, we're dealing with uh, philosophically, it should be easy to say these people are violent. You know, they they have to steal all this stuff. Do you realize they're spending trillions and trillions of dollars? It's a good chance to talk about uh, the silliness of printing money. So this is uh, th- this is something that shouldn't happen, but it has. But it's a reflection of the uh, system that we have uh, of education. It's also the reason why I have a homeschooling group to try to teach them something differently. And one other thing before we have to go on on. Uh, on, on this uh, subject of, uh, of of education, people worry about uh, the percentages that we have, and we were talking about that earlier. How many young people actually care? But it's it's. Uh, I was always told by uh, a good uh, uh, Austrian economist, it's not a numbers game. It, it's a philosophy game, and uh, whether it's the communists. Or what? I just think that socialism is marching along with Sanders, but there's probably only a hundred or so, you know, people, a small minority. So it is a percentage. You don't have to have 51 percent to to agree with everything you do. You have to be in leadership and you have to participate in education. So a program like yours is involved in education because you want to talk about the the, uh, the real issue of how you run an economy, and that has to do with a monetary fair. You have to understand monetary fair. That's what people need to, and they're not going to get it in government schools. So mm-hmm. that's uh, that's what has to happen. Uh, I'm I'm convinced that uh, you know you you mentioned earlier that a lot of people have awakened about uh, the Federal Reserve and fiat money. I'm convinced. That what what you said about that, it would work that I've always claimed that if I had a 12 year old or a young person like that, we could explain that principle to them. You know, all you have to do is get a piece of paper and say, is this money? You know, they would grasp it right away. Mm. And I remember my discovery of that. It was it was the first year I was in college. They talked about, uh, you know, paper money. Holy man, this is really weird. <laughs> and, yeah. But but as long as it works for a while and it's something for free, people go along with it. And that's 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 our, our big problem. Too many people think they're going to get something for free and they don't think anything of the payment they make in sacrificing their liberties. That's the issue that has so to true. be emphasized. So true. Let me ask one question. So, so Matthew Aaron used to host Crypto 101 and he said, ask him this. Predictions on upcoming crypto regulations from Minochin. Uh, so Stephen Minochin, he's, they're talking about some regulations around crypto. How should maybe they even approach crypto regulations? And what are your thoughts on, because he threw out some fear-based stuff recently, like, oh, it's garbage and crypto's bad. So 
How should we be looking at regulation? Well, just figure that they know more than uh, uh, most of us know, because they, like I mentioned, Bernanke was very tolerant of looking at it very, uh, very early on. And, uh, you know, these exchanges, uh, most people, I think, and I don't know the system, so I can't say, most people use exchanges and they go back and forth. And then if you don't pay your taxes, the IRS is knocking on your door. <laughs> so that they'll do it. Governments are very, very powerful. And uh, you have to fight it the best you can and get support. But, uh, and it's not written, the real regulations, banking regulations, what the Fed does, just think they can create a trillion dollars. Uh, well, this past week, they might have <laughs> created a trillion dollars, try to keep the stock market from dropping, uh, you know, a couple thousand points instead of 1,000 points. They create it, it's outside the budget, and they ask no questions. And so they already have tremendous power. Think of our national security. Uh, even the president, when he's trying to do something right, the, the national security, he might have uh, people that hate his guts and want to kill him in his administration. So it, it's so powerful that uh, I, I think the regulations, the regulations are going to come if they can, if they can take a sort of uh, uh, a, a quiet time in our history, uh, you know, in many sense, uh, and decide that, well, we don't want the American people to own gold. Well, that should have been that should have been fighting words. What if they said that today about guns? Fortunately, the American people won't give up their guns. They gave up their gold much sooner. Mm. But uh, they took away their right to own gold. And that is so basic, so basic constitutional. But uh, no, they they go along with it. And it's scary as far as as far as I'm concerned. But I, I don't question for a minute about uh, their ability to regulate. If they've already knocked on doors of people that uh, exchange their crypto at the, at the exchanges and they get a call from the IRS and we know you have to pay some taxes on uh, what you made on this. And I know there's ways to get around that too, but uh, governments uh, are very abusive and that's why I think we should have very, very small government. Dr. Paul, thank you so much for coming on. In the last minute, would you just go ahead and if you could uh, say some words that would inspire the next generation, what would you like them to know? I think the most important thing to know is that uh, we live in an Exciting times. They're very, uh, very much fun. We should be able to defend about, def, uh, you know, um, benefit from all the luxuries in spite of all these horrors in the last hundred years. Just think of what has happened. You know, my dad uh, delivered milk in a horse, uh, horse and buggy. Mm. And I uh, just think now we send people to the moon. The technology is unbelievably successful. And the standard of living for a lot of people have gone up, except it's been mal distributed, and uh, that the most important thing to do is the understanding of personal liberty and personal responsibility. That the sacrifice that you have to give to give your uh, give authority to uh, one's government to tell you what to do. That we should just have one simple rule that it's your life. You can do with it what you want. Mm. Suffer the consequences if you have make mistake. You can't steal, rob, kill, or hurt other people. One simple rule, which most of all the great religions endure, no lying, cheating, stealing, or killing. So simple, it should bring us together for everything. It's a message that's been hinted around for thousands of years, but I think it needs to be really ignited because most people say, yeah, I don't think we should hurt people. I don't think we should steal from people. I don't think we should, you know, uh, cheat people we, we, and, and we shouldn't kill people. They agree. But then all of a sudden, except when, you know, there's a bad guy in uh, in Ukraine, we got to go kill him or something like that. And so, so we violate those laws. No, I think there's reason to be optimistic. And I think that we have advanced technologically way ahead of our ability to know how to get around along with people. And that's where the advancement has to be because technologically, uh, you know, as far as caring for people and, 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 and raising a standard of living, it's the defects in government that makes a problem. But that means that individuals have to assume responsibility for themselves that, uh, yes, use your life as you choose. You can even be selfish and do other things as long as you don't hurt other people. But you can't put the burden of your problems on your neighbor and send the government over there to take from your neighbor 
uh, uh, and it was something you want or something you think you need. Uh, it's just understanding the principles of liberty. It's really not all that complicated. Hmm. So is it happening? Oh, slowly. <laughs> I think uh, I think that I think uh, I think this message is stronger, stronger so. than ever. Uh, I, I think we're way ahead of it outside of Washington. If you measure it by our monetary system and our economic system, no, they're still in charge. They still have a ways to go before it self-destructs. The big question is, are they going to be listening to a few of us that makes these suggestions? Or are they going to say, ah, we need Bernie Sanders and give him all the power he wants because he'll fix it. But uh, they, the saying goes that the, that, uh, all forms of government uh, exist only because the people tolerate it. And when it gets to the point, even the worst of dictators, you know, even the Soviet system, eventually the people reject it. And that's what, uh, uh, that's what we have to be aware of. And it looks like that's about time for me to go. Sir, thank you for your time today. We uh, tip our hats to you for your service to America and God bless you, sir. Thank you. Nice to be with you. So honored that we got to spend some time with Dr. Paul Travis. I mean, you know, usually you're at a conference, you get to meet him, maybe shake his hand and spend 30 seconds, you know, with him uh, adulating about, you know, how much you appreciate what he's done. But for him to give up 30 minutes of his time to speak with us and to uh, share with the Republic of Bad Cryptopia, what, a, what an honor. That was an amazing honor. And I've, I feel very privileged to be able to do that with you, Mr. Joe Calm. And great interview, great insights, really amazing guy. Uh, you know, of all the of all the people in politics over the last, you know, 50 years, he was the one that I think has inspired me the most, inspired so many people to to reevaluate, you know, how, how we look at freedom in America and, and how we how we look at the Constitution, how we look at money. I mean, how many people did did he wake up about sound money and, and audit the Fed and end the Fed? I mean. The guy's just a luminary and so so great to be able to chat with that guy. Absolutely. And we did get to record a video of the interview. So if you go to the Bad Crypto Mastermind at badco.in forward slash mastermind, that's on Facebook, just join that group and uh, join the thousands of others that are there talking crypto things. You'll be able to see the video of this. And we will be announcing the NFT for this episode here after our next interview. But speaking of sound money, uh, the government wants your sound money. Mm -hmm. Tax time is just a month away, gang, here in the United States of America. And if you are not protected with your crypto taxes, you could get in some serious trouble. You do not want to get a letter from the IRS about your crypto taxes. You want to make sure that you handle it properly. So you need crypto tax audit. It's the only tax audit defense system designed for crypto owners. If you go to cryptotaxaudit.com, there's do-it-yourself instructions and audit protection. Go check it out today, cryptotaxaudit.com. So I got a question, Mr. Joe Com. So when we were yes, talking when we were talking about this, I mean the, the introduction for this next interview with Davin Michaels, he said uh, that he was the one that helped you kind of finally go down the rabbit hole but we were kind of talking about the rabbit hole stuff in like 2016 and blockchain and stuff but he he was the guy who finally pushed you off the ledge or what yeah so basically you i remember you messaging me in 2016 asking me my thoughts on bitcoin and you know i've talked about on the show before because i didn't really understand it i really didn't know what to think about it and i just i didn't really engage too much on that conversation so you were one of the people that was a seed planter you were a uh, travis appleseed mm -hmm. if you are a travis satoshi seed <laughs> and it was at a conference in 2017 where i encountered my friend davin michaels and uh yeah he was the one that gave me the nudge in fact uh let's let the interview do the talking here's my conversation with davin michaels Here in beautiful Puerto Rico with my friend Davin Michaels, who a lot of you can blame for something that we're <laughs> going to get into here in just a <laughs> moment. Right. I've known Davin for 12, 13, 14, 14 years, years. Mm -hmm. from the internet marketing space. That's right. And uh, we go way back and now, you know, we're both in the crypto world. Big time. And 
What a beautiful location. Oh, it ain't bad. It ain't bad. This is the life, huh? It is. Uh, for those of you that are able to see the video on the Facebook Mastermind at badco.in forward slash mastermind, you'll be able to see the view and Davin's little pooch here. This is Penny. Penny the perfect puppy. She is, what is she? She's a multi-poo. She is so freaking cute. And we're now fast friends, <laughs> aren't we? She's the you love of my something? life. <laughs> she has nothing to say. She's very quiet. She is. She's my girly. So you uh, are a business owner, an entrepreneur. You are the founder and creator and chief cook and bottle washer at 123employee.com. That's right. That's right. For the last decade plus. So elevator speech, what 123employee is. Sure. We're the premier outsourcing centers in the Philippines. We work with entrepreneurs. We work with entrepreneurs. I love entrepreneurs. Entrepreneurs. We work with entrepreneurs all over the globe and some of the biggest thought leaders on the planet, including yourself. And we do all the busy work in their business, uh, everything from internet marketing, social media, uh, customer service, all the busy stuff in their business so they can focus on the income generating uh, stuff in their business. Our mission at 123 Employee is to rescue lifestyle starved entrepreneurs, give them their time back and their lives back. And that is a great to, elevator yeah, speech. You can tell cool. you've given mm-hmm. that one a couple times, many, many times. And I have used your services in the past. Yes, and and we actually, uh, you exited a business. You had a, a very nice exit from that business. I did exit. Yeah. I exited multiple businesses. Yes. And now here I am in the crypto world, and you are partially to blame. Um, um, I am. You know, visiting you here in Puerto Rico, a lot of people call it Crypto Rico because yep. the crypto community is here. It was almost three years ago. I want to say it was March March of 2017, that you and I were speaking at a Ken MacArthur conference, the Impact uh, event, in Denver. Yes. Right? Yeah, it was My hometown. That's right. And you brought up cryptocurrency. Do you remember the conversation? I think it was kind of like this. I I think you actually came up to me and you said, Dav, I, I know you're doing the crypto thing. I've been thinking about getting into it. And I was like, dude, you got to get into it. And and I think we sat down. I showed you what I was doing. I showed you what was happening. And you're like, yeah, I, I, I think I'm going to make the plunge. I'm like, dude, you have got to make the plunge. And you're like, yeah, you know what? This is it. I'm going to do it. You mentioned Bitcoin. You mentioned Ethereum. That's the first time I heard about Stellar Lumens. Um, it was at two cents at the time. But here's what's really interesting. I remember hearing from some other peer, and I don't know who it was, probably as early as 2013 or 14, some people talking about Bitcoin. And what's really unusual is I'm usually- You're the trendsetter. I'm there. Always. You're that guy. Cool new thing, bright, shiny object. What is this? And for whatever reason, I neglected looking further into it because I didn't understand this whole concept of mining. Yeah, and and I had the exact same thing. As you know, uh, Mike Taggart was a great friend of ours. He was mm-hmm. a super early adopter. I think he started buying Still it. Still is a friend. At, yep, absolutely. And I, I think he started buying it uh, $40, maybe it was even less. And he and I shared a three-hour steak dinner together uh, back when it was around $40. And I said, you know, explain this Bitcoin thing to me. And he sat there for three hours, told me the whole thing. And at the end, I was like, beep, like I, I just, nope, I don't get it. And, and, I, <laughs> still didn't and, I, and I didn't get in. And actually, the way I got on uh, or got in, uh, you know, thank the gods. Um, it was one of our clients, Eric, um, at one, two, three. And what happened was he called me one day and he was one of our larger clients. And he said, hey, could, can we pay you in Bitcoin? Now, at the time, people were not talking about Bitcoin yet. But I had friends that were exiting big companies. And there were two trends that I noticed. One was that they were all investing in startups. It was very trendy to do that. And two, they were buying up Bitcoin. They were buying up crypto. And that's all I knew. And so I said, sure. I said, I'll take your Bitcoin. I said, I don't know what to do. You got to tell me what, you know, how to do it. He said, open up a Coinbase account. I said, okay. And he sent me 180K. Now, I was very fortunate that he owed me that much money for the month. Because at the time, you couldn't get 180K into your Coinbase account, right? It just wasn't possible. It wasn't easy. And he transferred that money to me in, in a very short amount of time. That money doubled. And it, You're like, yes, I'll take your Bitcoin. Yes. And now tell the whole world, anybody want to pay me in Bitcoin? Yeah, at that point, that, that's when I literally started to kind of take whatever I could scratch together and I started investing. In- you know, I don't know what it was about that time that we had that conversation because if I go back to my Facebook messenger account 
after the election ended, because Travis and I had been friends and we were always back and forth on Messenger about the election, I want to say it was sometime in December-ish that he asked me a question about Bitcoin and I kind of poo-pooed it. So, you know, there was all these little seeds being planted and there was just something about our meeting that I opened my Coinbase account and it took weeks to get stuff approved then. And it wasn't until May that I was able to actually get money into the account and make my very first Bitcoin purchase. Yeah, I had I had an unfair advantage. I got I I was so lucky and I owe Eric everything. Maybe send him a Bitcoin. Yeah, I yeah, I yeah, I I need to send him a lot of Bitcoin. (laughs) There you go. Nice little tip. Yeah. Uh, But the rest, of course, is is history. And now you're here in Puerto Rico for the same reasons as many other americans yep the sunshine and the <laughs> and what's the tax situation here yeah so uh puerto rico has a very a very favorable tax situation for people that actually live here uh become permanent residents and um and yeah that's what initially attracted me to puerto rico um but what has really kept me here is, I mean, it's it, as you can see here, it's paradise. The weather is great all year long. It's it's gorgeous. I had always dreamt of living in the Caribbean and I never really thought it was going to happen. And, and here I am. Uh, and what has really kept me here, though, also is the community. The people in Puerto Rico are lovely. I mean, they're the nicest people on the planet. But the worst drivers. The worst drivers. I rented a car here. (laughs) Oh my gosh. They they drive slow in the left lane, which by the way, I I found out why. Oh, there is actually I know there's actually there's a reason. reason. Yeah, what's the so reason? So John Lee Dumas, we had dinner with him last, last night, night in in a in a whole crew of uh, interesting people that you've gotten to meet here, and he explained to me that the people who have lived here a long time traditionally because the roads are old, the government would work on the left lane only and the right lane was notorious for having more potholes, at least in the past. It's been fixed, but the people who drive in the left lane have that old school mentality soon. So they don't care if they're driving super slow. They're in the left lane because those are the better roads. Gotcha. So there's no left lane, left uh, lane, right lane etiquette. Okay. No. Well, that would and they stop it. dead in the middle of you know the it's road. Nuts. They bob and weave between the lanes like they're drunk. Who knows? They they, they might be. Yeah. But everybody has been super nice. Yeah. They and. I literally, you know, you're, you're on island time. So you, you, I may order a plumber and the plumber's supposed to show up on Monday and they show up on Friday. Uh, but you know what? I, I don't, I never get upset about any of it because the Puerto Rican people, like I said, are so lovely. There's just, there's no point. There's no point. Uh, but, but you know, we really, we love the people and the community here is just amazing because of, of the tax incentives here. It is just drawing. Let, let's talk about that for a moment. Sure. Okay. Let's be specific. Now, Puerto Rico is a territory. That is owned part of the United States, but it's not a state. There's no voting representative in Congress. Right. They just kind of hang out. But they get the benefits of Mm -hmm. being... Americans, mm-hmm. right? So right. we uh, we we vote. Uh, we we get to vote in the primaries. Uh, we don't get to vote for not uh, the president. general. Yeah, we don't get to vote for president. Huh. Yeah. Okay, but let's talk about specifically the tax code. Why is it that so many people with money are moving here? Yeah, we pay zero percent capital gains and four percent income tax, and that's it. Yes, that's it. So. Let, let's put this in perspective. Let's say you sold a million dollars. Let's just say you net a million dollars. Okay. In the United States, a million dollars net taxable income would cost you, depending upon the state, about 40%, about $400,000. Well, uh, it depends. Remember, it has gotten less favor or less favorable to actually be here because since Trump, Trump got into office, it got a lot less expensive in the U.S., right? Well, let's say three hundred thousand. Yeah, that's all right. right. So your taxes are three hundred thousand if here, you live in the United here States. Here would be about 4K. four k. Four or forty k. Forty k. Forty k. Okay, huge, huge difference. So basically, your tax savings for living here could, could pay for your house. Could yeah, just buy your a place outright on, a, on an annual basis. And so the requirements 
for doing that are living here? Yes. So um, the litmus test, there's a couple of them. So number one, uh, which is paramount, is time. You have to actually live here. You have to be here at least uh, half the year. Yeah, that would suck being here. Yeah, it's it's horrible. It's not a bad gig. Uh, Number two is a closer connection to Puerto Rico. So this literally needs to be, you know, where you live, uh, um, you know, where you you know, you, you have to have a closer connection to Puerto Rico. Where so. you breathe, where you eat. Yeah, it needs to be. You, <laughs> where you poop. You, you need to um, you know, be registered to here. vote here. You surrender your license in the States. This is where you would have your uh, health insurance. This you is, have to poop here, though. You have to poop you here. Poop here. Um, yeah, so a, cl- a closer connection to, to that, Puerto Rico. That's what makes me feel a closer connection Indeed. to somewhere. Yes, because, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so you have stayed in the crypto world. I remember during the last run, you started a mining operation. I did. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. And um, still still doing. We wrapped it up. We wrapped it up uh, about three months, two months ago. OK. Yeah. Yeah. But what what are you working on now in the crypto world? So uh, actually not much, not much. Um, kind of um, basically just just uh, investing here and there, keeping uh, keeping an eye on projects, um, deciding, um, <clears throat> you know, what I'm going to be getting into as the market begins to swing back upwards. You know, I kind of. Uh, I had such a great run. I mean, I, what I what I did was, you know, at, at the top of the market, uh, I kept an eye on some smart people, and some of those smart people began to exit. Charlie Lee. Um. Yeah. You know, I was I, I was actually watching uh, Steve Wozniak, and, uh. and and as it hit about 19k, he's like, I'm out, and I started getting out too. Hmm. Um, smart. Yeah. And so. So I'm kind of not sure what what's next, but I am hanging out with the crypto community here. We we've, we've been doing all kinds of interesting deals, um, you know, some around real estate, um, uh, you know, other types of deals, and I'm just kind of keeping my ear to the ground, seeing what's coming up. And, well, you hinted that you just got some money, but you didn't really tell me. Yeah, what yeah. So it's it's cool doing doing these deals. So, um, I mean, these amazing people. Um, the 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 crypt there. There's a lot of levels of crypto community here, um, but. The billionaires are here too, mm-hmm. and the, in Dorado. Uh, no, not not just in Dorado. As a matter of fact, no. The um, it's interesting. The more established kind of the hedge fund guys are in Dorado. Um, the the fund guys um, are in Dorado. The Bitcoin billionaires are actually in San Juan. Okay, yeah, and um, you know these guys are not for the most part. They're not kind of who you think. Um, they're not like popping bottles and this and that. I mean, yes, they do that here and there. But um, they're very interested in um, in making the world a better place. Right. Well, like Brock Pierce, right? They, yeah, like Brock. They, they call um, he kind of started the community here, and now they call it kind of Crypto Rico with the the goal of reinvigorating and reestablishing downtown, right? Yeah, I mean, um, yes, they're they're doing all kinds of things, you know, all over the world. And so I was in the middle of a real estate deal um, that. I basically would have lost a lot of money on um, had had we not closed uh, by Friday. And um, so let's see, we'll kind of leave names out. But basically, my buddy who I was working on the deal with uh, went to one of the crypto billionaires uh, that he was you know, friends with. Uh, they, they weren't particularly tight. And he he asked for a meeting. Um, luckily, he was available the next day, took a quick meeting with him, told him the situation. We, we needed a, a pretty substantial amount of money. Um, for the deal. It was a, like a quick bridge loan. They, they took the meeting. He said, uh, you know what? I, I'm, I'm not liquid until next week, which would have been too late. He said, but there's somebody else here in this house that does have the money. Uh, he went over to, he said, would you like to meet him? He said, sure. He said, um, uh, okay. He took him over. He said, uh, hey, this is uh, John. John, this is uh, Bill. Bill, Names John. have been changed. Uh, yeah, the exactly. Uh, he goes, uh, um, John, um, you know, Bill needs uh, money uh, his uh, for uh, the next thirty days, um, or or his uh, friend's going to lose you know a, a lot of money. Uh, do you want to loan him the money? And he goes, I don't want to loan him the money. Do you want me to loan him the money? And he turns to me, and says, I want you to loan him the money. He goes, Okay, I'll loan him the money. And, and just in case anybody's confused, your bill. <laughs> Anyways, I made up the names, but anyways, it was a substantial amount of money. Yeah, it was a that's lot great. of money, and the hands were shook, and the deal was done. And he just did it to help to help somebody out, you know. Um, but now the deals are—I mean, they're really helping 
this was just to help a person out, but they're doing all kinds of really cool stuff. And, and so my point is, I mean, it's just, there's some really cool stuff going on, man. And, and they, they really want to change the world. And there's a lot of bright minds here. And um, I'll tell you a little bit about Puerto Rico. So Puerto Rico is certainly not a third world country, but it's, it's kind it, of a two and a half. It is. It's not, it's, it's not first. And, but what's happening is, you know, there, there are a lot of really happening people to come that are coming to Puerto Rico because of act 20 and 22, which is what we're talking about here. Um, the favorable, um, tax treaties, if you will. And so you're getting these pretty amazing people, great minds who've uh, accomplished some pretty incredible stuff. And now this brain power is coming to the Island. And of course, money is coming to the, to the Island and they're going to solve some, some pretty, um, you know, big problems here and change this island. And as a result, you know, many of these will become case studies that will change other islands and change other places. And I am like so bullish on Puerto Rico. I am so excited. And what's unfortunate is that the press all over the world has two things to talk about when it comes to Puerto Rico. The hurricanes. The hurricanes and the earthquakes. Yeah. And so if you if you watch any press, that's all there is when it comes to Puerto Rico. But Puerto Rico is amazing. There is so much going on on this island. It is incredible. And I'm so excited for Puerto Rico. Uh, and I just want to shout it out to the world. And it's you know tough to get it out there, but we will. And uh, I'm just so excited, uh, you know, for what's going to happen over the next five years. Well, based on the community that, you know, we're sitting in here right now, which yeah. will remain unnamed, there's a lot of people that are picking up on this. And I, oh, yeah. you know, I'm, I'm glad to visit and I know that I'll be back. And by the way, too, so when we moved here two years ago, there was like a new couple every two or three weeks. Now we have three or four couples a week wow. showing up. So it's starting to snowball. Uh, there's about 1,823 of us on the island right now. Uh, you'd think there'd be more. There you go. Puerto Rico's full. Sorry. <laughs> you'd think there'd be more. I mean, the program's been around for almost six years, but it's really starting to snowball. Well, right and with the economy doing well, there's more people coming into wealth, Indeed. right? And, yeah. and especially in the crypto. Sure. World. Yeah. Davin, appreciate you. My pleasure. Uh, DavinMichaels.com. It's the yes. website. And mm -hmm. if you need a extra hand on deck to help in your business, 123employee.com. Yeah. Thanks, Joel. I appreciate that. Rock on, brother. Thanks, brother. That was a great interview, Mr. Joel Com. That's great. I know that we were chatting with him about, um, you know, he was doing some Ethereum mining, some Litecoin mining and different things. And he's one of your homies down there in uh, Puerto Rico. Very cool mm -hmm. stuff. Yeah, re really uh, nice guy and uh, grateful to him always for giving me that that final gentle nudge. And Mr. Travis Wright, you mentioned that uh, it's a friend's birthday today. It is. You want to give him a shout out? Yeah, it's a it's it's Brandon Bergeson's birthday, who is the CEO of MobiPay, M O B I E P A Y. You know, we talk a lot about them, but they're not a sponsor of today's show. But I just wanted to shout out to him because it's his birthday. Happy birthday, happy Mr. birthday, Mobi Brandon. Pay. Yeah, yeah. But you know who is a sponsor is Divi, and and Divi is the digital finance ecosystem that offers crypto debit cards, instant bank accounts, and fiat to crypto on and off ramps directly into your wallet. Just picture the ramp going right into your pocket. Boom! Oh, look at that! There's money. Just get that ramp out of my pocket. What you doing with that ramp? You want to be first in line to get your hands on their services. It's real easy. Go over to wallet.diviproject.org, enter your email, boom, it's done. Of course, links to this and to the conversations that we had today and the show notes are all at badco.in forward slash 382. So, Mr. Travis Rice, should we tell them how to secure the NFT for this episode, which, by the way, is the 8th official nft that we have released yeah so there are people out there who have most of them so far like so there's a lot of people who have collected a lot of them well, actually they were at the event so i know there's a few that have many of them i don't know if anybody has collected all of them yet besides maybe you and i and some of the people on our team i, I know that there's um because you would have had to be at that very first event right you would have had to be in miami to be able to have all of them because uh that's the challenge you get because some we have proof of attendance and some we have proof of listening but for this one right here, uh, I believe the URL is badco.in forward slash Ron. Pretty easy. I guess you, you could almost guess that one. You could. But in it is beautiful. You really, you know, we've got an artist that kind of does the illustrations and then you Travisify it and badify it. And it just, it's freaking beautiful. This might be the best looking NFT yet. And you guys are not going to want to miss this. You only have until Wednesday evening, which on the calendar is the 18th of March. 
if you don't claim it by 12 midnight Eastern time, then you're not going to be able to uh, to get it from us. I mean, maybe somebody will have it on the secondhand market, but I can't, you know, nobody would want to sell these. This is your proof of listening. And Travis, you also showed me the prototype for the upcoming um, NFT that is going to be for those who are holding at least five NFTs in their wallet. And it's badass. Yeah, we got a, We got an old school crest being built for the Republic of Bad Cryptopia, which is uh, which is coming into play. And, and, and thank you. Yeah, this Ron Paul one was fun. Actually, I spent way more time on this one than I should have. Actually, I, I spent about three and a half hours on this one, sort of working on it and and making the right design because I was like I was doing stuff, and then I was like, eh, because as you mentioned, we get we get a different illustrator each time to illustrate the guest that was on the show or the event that we're going to or whatever. So each one has its own different flavor. And so whenever I get the piece back, then I got to see, okay, well, how do I turn that into a token? What do I need to do to make that look cool, incorporate bad crypto, incorporate the episode number, the, the NFT number, the name of the person, and making it look cool? And the Dr. Ron Paul one, I think, did come out really sweet. So you're going to yeah. want to claim that one because it's just a really cool one. And, and Ron Paul's, Dr. Ron Paul's just a really cool guy. You mentioned they all have a different flavor. This one tastes like freedom. This one tastes like freedom. Yeah, red, white, and blue. Liberty Mint. That's <laughs> Liberty Mint flavor. Yeah, with that's Oreo. That's good. So make sure you go to badcode.in forward slash Ron and claim this NFT. There's a tutorial on that page, a video that I made that shows you how to claim NFTs and open up a wallet that will store your NFTs. So make sure you do that. We really appreciate you guys. More great content coming your way. We're going to let it, Travis go back to his meditation. Now. No, I'm going to go. I'm going to go make me some food now. I'm done meditating for <laughs> done. Med- yeah, I, I got I opened my eyes from med- meditation and I thought hamburger. I need food hamburger. to be peaceful. <laughs> Meditated myself into some hunger. OK, everybody say with me now. Stay oh, bad. Oh, 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 oh. Stay bad. Stay bad. OK, OK. The Bad Crypto Podcast is a production of Bad Crypto, LLC. The content of the show, the videos, and the website is provided for educational, informational, and entertainment purposes only. It's not intended to be and does not constitute financial, investment, or trading advice of any kind. You shouldn't make any decisions as to finances, investing, trading, or anything else based on this information without undertaking independent due diligence and consultation with a professional financial advisor. Please understand that the trading of Bitcoin's and alternative cryptocurrencies have potential risks involved. Anyone wishing to invest in any of the currencies or tokens mentioned on this podcast should first seek their own independent professional financial advisor.